0: This is E Factor Radio, created by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. And now here's your host, David Wolf.
1: Their mission is to help change the world for entrepreneurs as they scale their passion. They do this by offering tactical and practical tools for CEOs to use. The company is Scale Passion, and our guest is its founder and CEO, Robert Craven. Robert, welcome to the program.
2: Hey David, I'm glad to be here today.
1: How did the model of scale passion come about?
2: Uh, it's a it's a great question. You know, I, I kind of look at it as my calling. I'm I'm I've been helping passionate entrepreneurs in one way or another for many many years. I've I've actually helped scale uh, two businesses uh, as a CEO to the entrepreneur, you know, founder, and uh, that was my kind of uh, depth of experience that led me to the the, the knowledge and the realization that. Most entrepreneurs could really use some help when they get to a certain size. Um, and what I mean by that is all the things that make uh, young companies great to a certain level uh, you know, sometimes 10, 15, 20 million in sales, and, and it happens at different levels for, for different companies can start to work against them uh, when they try to get to 30, 40, 50, 60 million in sales. Uh, you know, all those things that were, made them so successful can start to really hurt. Uh, And that's where the the impetus of the book uh, came from. I'm writing a book called Scale Your Passion. Should be out in the fourth quarter. I've been working on that for you know almost two years now. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the book really spurred uh, the whole concept of scalepassion.com, which is to, to, to bring these tools and resources to the entrepreneur.
1: When you look at the model, and, and all of this is germane to the, all the work you're doing and your coaching and so forth, what are some of the major shifts? How does the ground shift for them as you grow from a 4, 5, 10 employee environment to 100 or more or pick your number?
2: Yeah, it's. It, you, I think your numbers are about right. I think that when you get to about 100 employees is where you start to real really see a shift. Sometimes 50, sometimes 200, just depends. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the entrepreneur typically uh, is the visionary, uh, typically very compelling, uh, tends to attract a lot of friends and family, you know, to come into the business and work for less than than market rate uh, because yeah. they buy into the vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at some point, the entrepreneur. Can't make every decision. Uh, when I became the CEO of a, about a fifteen million dollar company, I could tell you that the the entrepreneur was making every single decision down to when to pay the light bill. Um, and that that lack of scalability and and that real bottleneck on decision making becomes a real issue. Uh, that's one. So you've got to start hiring people that know what they're doing. Um, the other big part of it is strategy. You get to a point where you really have to get strategic, especially around supply chain. Um, you know, customer expectations. Uh, making sure that you're not making promises that you can't keep uh, in the marketplace, which which happens quite a lot as you scale up, and, and you're not very good at thinking out 12 or 18 or you know even 24 months. So laying in some strategy becomes important. Hiring credible people and putting you know, putting them in positions where they can make decisions with the right kind of boundaries. Um, all of these are major shifts. You know, I could go on and on and on. Technology shifts. Um, there are there are several major Uh, mind shifts that an entrepreneur has to make to be able to really scale the wall, I call it
1: well, I love that. And, and I'm wondering, too, as you work in this space of helping entrepreneurs, a CEO's scale, are there certain industries that you tend to serve more than others? And uh, what are some of the dynamics there, like take a service or technology versus a manufacturing environment? Are there any things that we should know about the differences in those dynamics?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, every industry has its own quirks. I've, I've tried to boil my concepts down to five truisms. Uh, and it's, it's funny, I used to think, I used to work for a consulting firm that um, you know, studied business best practices at the global 2000 level. And yeah. when you work for a consulting firm, they think a lot about process uh, and methodology. And I'm a big believer that process and methodology is good and that you can learn from it, but it's pretty much thrown out the window now in today's business environment just because of the speed and pace of change.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Um,
2: so I've, I've boiled my you know, key thoughts down to five truisms. Uh, and I think that they are truisms that apply to any, any market size or, or any type of channel. Uh, and those five truisms are quite simply know that market. And that's number one. These are linear. Uh, so really, who is our customer and, and, and the competition and the market space, major trends of the market, government regulation, if that applies. So know that market, then know thyself. Uh, and That's a real deep analysis of what we're good at, what we're terrible at, what's our, you know, what's our passion. Uh, and then the key stakeholders. I see a lot of conflict at the top of small businesses where you've got partners that don't agree on the future. Yeah. So know thyself addresses all of that. So know that market, know thyself, and then know thy mission, uh, know thy purpose, which gets into mission and vision and those kinds of things. And, and that's intentionally number three. A lot of times in strategic planning, you start with mission. I like to put it number three. I think the other two things really uh, indicate and can help you drive a, a stronger, deeper mission and sense of vision. So know that market, know thyself, know thy purpose, and then execute thy purpose. Um, And the last one is establish a rhythm. And when it comes to execution, I believe in the one sheet of paper approach, uh, run the business by one sheet of paper. And most entrepreneurs that I've met are horrible at rhythm, Uh, you know, horrible at the right kinds of meetings and the right kinds of strategic retreats and Mm -hmm. laying in a rhythm that allows them to bring on lots of employees in a high growth environment uh, to where they can feel comfortable and and there's a level of communication that gets driven with that. Um, So those are my, you know, five truisms that I really kind of ground everything in, no matter what the channel or or what the, uh, uh, you know, what the uh, uh, sector, if you will.
1: We're visiting with Robert Craven. He's the CEO of Scale Passion, the website www.scalepassion.com. Robert, as you talk about the rhythm, is that a very individualized kind of thing when you work with CEOs, or is there a prescription that's fairly uniform?
2: It's interesting you mentioned that, David. I'm actually writing a blog right now. my next weekly challenge, I do a weekly challenge for entrepreneurs and <laughs> I'm doing it on this rhythm. and I actually laid out, I think that most entrepreneurs in particular who've never done this before would rather just have a prescription that they can work off of, kind of a version 10. Um, so I, I, I offer a prescription, you know, weekly meetings, tactical meetings, monthly uh, um, strategic meetings, um, and then the every six month retreats. And, and there's certain things, you know, when do you do performance reviews? When do you do salary reviews? Do you do them together? And I like to recommend to CEOs that you just go ahead and schedule the year. Uh, and the beautiful thing about scheduling the year is now you've got a deadline that forces you to communicate, it forces you to be ready um, and to, to, to really stick to a rhythm. Uh, it's very difficult for a lot of entrepreneurs to stick to a rhythm because they tend to go with their gut uh, quite a lot. And, and I, I joke a lot that entrepreneurs, you know, if the entrepreneur is in a bad mood, the whole company is in a bad mood, and yeah, you, know, if yeah. you know the entrepreneur, the company tends to go the way of the entrepreneur, and that doesn't work so well when you get up over fifty employees and you start scaling into the next level.
1: Beyond the idea that you schedule the year, are there more granular types of prescriptions? In other words, the elements of the rhythm that you uh, like to recommend.
2: Well, I mean, establish a rhythm is number five for a reason. Um, you know, the biggest thing, that I, the biggest benefit that you can get from scheduling the year and establishing a rhythm is it gives you a, a platform as the CEO to lead the company towards the vision, uh, to remind the company what the vision is uh, constantly in, in a consistent way, to remind them about the mission of the company, to remind them about core values that you've already determined, to remind them what the key objectives are. You know, these are the three things we're trying to accomplish in the next six months or a year. Um, So this this concept of rhythm, more than anything, gives the CEO a platform in a consistent way, uh, not in a haphazard way, to really keep beating the drum that is the strategic plan. Mm. And I think by beating that strategic plan drum, uh, execution naturally follows. And, And that's where, you know, execute that purpose. The fourth step comes in where you've got that one sheet of paper where you can point everybody to and it shows everybody who's responsible for what. And how are we doing? It becomes the scorecard, you know, the very living scorecard.
1: Well, I'm glad you mentioned the proverbial sheet of paper. I was going to drill down into that a little bit, Robert. What is on that sheet of paper? What's the dashboard look like for a CEO?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the hardest thing about the one sheet of paper is getting it down to the one sheet of paper. And and just to step back a step before we talk about the one sheet of paper, I, I, sure. subscribe, I, I really prescribe a three-year roadmap uh, you know, to CEOs. And you break that three-year roadmap you know, using data. The whole concept of Know Thy Market gives you the data you need to really kind of clarify where you want to be in three years. Then you break that three years down into six six-month chunks. So now you've got six six-month phases. And the one sheet of paper is really the next six months in front of you. Now, I, I, I mentioned the six six-month phases, the three-year roadmap, to say that without that three-year roadmap, your six-month one sheet of paper is not going to be very powerful, right? So to answer your question specifically, what's on, the, what's on the page, there's typically two to three objectives, and, and an objective in, you know, is just strategic terms for what do we want to accomplish. A lot of times an objective has to do with revenue. It might have to do with market share, depending on the company. It might have to do with net income or some other measure. You might have one for net income and one for revenue you know, related to it, but I like to make it more of a prescriptive objective, right? And then underneath that objective, you've got no more than three Uh, underneath that objective for each one you've got three to six uh, strategies or you know said another way it's how are we going to accomplish the what so the what might be related to revenue and you've got three to six line items that say okay now here's how we're going to go do that Um, now beside the objectives and strategies which is one column then you've got who's responsible uh, and then the next column is okay what are we shooting? is it a time frame is it a dollar figure Uh, is it a unit figure and a lot of times i'll do a target and a stretch Uh, So you've got, you know, what are we going to go do, who's going to do it, and then the measures you're going to judge that by, and then the last column is how are we doing. And we like to update our one sheet of paper where we can weekly Uh, and where those measures have to be done monthly, we do it monthly. Uh, But the one sheet of paper drives everything. It drives meetings, uh, weekly meetings. It drives monthly strategic meetings. Uh, it drives communication to the uh, employees as you're growing. It ensures that everyone is on the same piece of paper, literally.
1: I love that. The idea of the dashboard, the one sheet, simplifies uh, the complexities of a large organization. When you get into the, the hiring of the uh, sub-managers, the, the areas below you, that are these are folks that are reports directly to the CEO, Right. What are some of the insights you have about about how to do that well and how to do it effectively and how to hire right and do the right casting for your company?
2: That's uh, a great, great point. I mean, without the right people on the bus, right, you know, Jim Collins' uh, uh, expression, it's really hard to get, get anywhere. And and that's a, I can tell you that that's one of the biggest challenges that most entrepreneurs face when scaling the wall. There's a big realization that they have to start delegating and that all the people around them, aren't there, are, aren't skilled to be able to take the delegation. They don't have the skill set. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the experience. So at some point you have to put, you know, I was the CEO of two high-growth companies, and in both cases I had to put in a layer of VPs below me that were people that had been there and done that. There were people I could go to and say, Give me a plan to do X, you know, to, to, to enter a new market, for example. And they could not only give me the plan, but I had ultimate confidence uh, based on their resume and track record that they could deliver the plan. Hmm. Um, now, that's very difficult because a lot of times in a small business, we hire people who we know uh, or we might be hiring relatives even. Um, and the whole concept of going to them and, and helping them to understand that they're not qualified to take the business to the next level is a difficult conversation and it's one of the big, th- the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs face as they scale the wall and start to move into a new, new area. Um, on the scalepassion.com site, we've written extensively on how to hire. Uh, we've recently done a lesson on how to do it. Um, but it's really straightforward. I mean, it's skills, experience, and knowledge. Uh, and uh, another great book I'll recommend to your audience is Top Grading uh, by Smart. Uh, it's a fantastic tactical and practical book. Uh, that tells people exactly how to identify the kind of candidate they want and then how to go hire them. And then also it, it takes the level of keeping them on board and, and happy and satisfied. Great, great book. I'll just throw it as a recommendation.
1: Absolutely. Uh, once again, that title, please, if you would.
2: Top Grading, uh, T-O-P, G-R-A-D-I-N-G. And, and uh, Smart is the guy who actually taught GE. Uh, it's the, it's the uh, you know, GE is known for pumping out leaders and, and hiring great people. And the top grading system is what GE uses And I believe you can apply I I actually applied it as a CEO of small business, uh, small, medium growth, uh, high growth business uh, as the CEO. And it worked very, very well. Very tactical. Um, You know, it's got lots of worksheets. And, I mean, it tells you exactly how to do it. It's a fantastic book.
1: If you're just joining us, Robert Craven joins us now. He's uh, the CEO and founder of scalepassion.com, the website one and the same, www.scalepassion.com. Dot com just like it sounds robert you've pointed to the human capital having the right people on the bus and so forth so critical to the success of any size organization but as you're scaling up what have you learned about raising capital about the the, the debate between bootstrapping and of course it, when you're an organization of a certain size now you enter the world of is it debt is it equity how do, how do you like to approach advising ceos about uh, capitalizing their businesses when that's required
2: that's a great question, especially in today's environment. I mean, I, I honestly believe that the the debt space, especially from banks, uh, primarily from banks, is is really gone for good. I think that uh, they got a little bit out of their element. Um, so, relying on debt uh, where you can, obviously, is, is a great uh, a great approach. But relying on growth capital from banks is probably gone for good. Uh, I do see private equity moving upstream, if you will, and going and looking at smaller and smaller deals, at least in the spaces that I'm in. Um, private equity is looking at $10 million companies now, uh, versus before where they wouldn't even touch you if you weren't 40, 50 million in revenue. Yeah. Um, so I think the earlier you can, especially if you've got data, uh, in that, you know, going back to the truisms, the whole know that market, if you've got data that says we've got a real market potential here, uh, and you're showing good growth, the earlier you can start talking to private equity, the better. I think you want to make friends with these people, you know, even 12 or 18 months before you might even need capital. Uh, and entering those markets and becoming friends and understanding how people think, starting to ask questions about those uh, private equity players uh, or venture capital players that are in your space, Mm -hmm. Uh, really getting a sense of the different types of of players uh, there are and and who specializes in what and what's their reputation is something you should start thinking about as early as possible. Start shaking those hands early. Uh, What you don't want to do is start looking for private equity or, or growth capital uh, when you need it. Uh, if you're looking for growth capital when you need it, you've really missed the boat. Yeah, you need
1: to get out in front of it, as you say. So let's take a tour of scalepassion.com just in terms of how you offer the curriculum, the advice, the coaching, the programs. Walk us through it, if you would.
2: Well, I appreciate it. I mean, this is really a labor of love for me. Um, I love th- the energy uh, that a Change the World Entrepreneur you know, brings. I think that most entrepreneurs are Change the World Entrepreneurs. They're they're They're, they're not necessarily in it for the money. Uh, they really want to do something special with a product or a service, and for me, that's that's an energy that you don't get every day, uh, mm. and I just really drink it in. Yeah. Um, there are several things we've got a, a whole uh, a team of experts. Uh, I think we're up over thirteen experts now, maybe fourteen, of people that specialize in different areas, whether it be HR or personal energy management or uh, you know strategy or whatever it might be. We've tried to to bring some experts to the table that can that can provide richer content. And the content is really served up in a variety of different ways. There's lots of free blogs. Um, most of the blogs have video components. I've got a pretty deep uh, video. Uh, I, I I happen to be a very visual learner, so you'll see lots of video <laughs> on the site yeah. um, that talks uh, very specifically about how to do something. Um, mm-hmm. The video, you know, the free uh, content leads to free lessons. And every pretty much every week we offer a, a free lesson. Uh, we're ramping up Scale Passion TV. Our goal is every Wednesday at two from two thirty to five. Uh, we're going to present some type of lesson uh, and you know uh, an interview with someone smart. Um, the, the content on Scale Passion there, there's one criteria and uh, one major, two major criteria. One is it speaks directly to the change the world entrepreneur or CEO or leader of a change the world company. The other is that it's practical and tactical. So on the content, uh, it, with every piece of content on the site, you will see very practical steps: step one, step two, step three. Do this. One of the biggest frustrations I have about business books or, are, you know, many of them are very platitudinous. They, It's very much about, you know, here's what we think. Um, I, I tend more towards, here's what you got to go do. Um, and I think most entrepreneurs are in such a hurry uh, that they just want to be told, you know, just do it like this. I mean, we've done it. It's been done 15,000 times. Yeah. You don't have to learn how to do it. Just go do this. Uh, and then we have paid lessons and paid courses that we offer, and we're launching a forum, an online forum, where we hope entrepreneurs will go to get uh, you know, get very practical and tactical advice from a team of experts and from other entrepreneurs who might have been there before.
1: Mm, the peer-to-peer idea. Great stuff. Yep. Robert Craven. The, the website www.scalepassion.com. Scalepassion.com is the company. And we've been visiting with Robert Craven, coach, consultant, many time over CEO of some high growth companies. Thank you for being on the program.
0: Thank you so much, David. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to E-Factor Radio. Get more podcasts with your premium membership at efactor.com.
2: This podcast
0: is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.